This is Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your home for common sense science-based health care. Here's your host, Dr. T.J. Williams. And welcome to the show, everyone. I am your host, Dr. T.J. With me, as always, is Aaron. Hi. Kind of paying attention over there in the in the corner, um, and I, on today's episode we have a, a very special guest. Um, we have with us Nick Bodie. He is a nurse practitioner in our office. Um, takes care of a lot of people. Does uh, lots of things in our clinic. Basically, uh, all around genius. He is a functional certified, a functional medicine certified uh, nurse practitioner through the Institute for Functional Medicine. Uh, yeah, so welcome, Nick. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that glorious introduction. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, it's it's very well deserved. Very well deserved. Um, today on the show, we are going to talk about heart disease. Um, this is a topic that I think you know we talk a lot on the show about thyroid health, and I think that heart disease is just as pervasive, if not more. Um, it's the you know, number one killer in America. Uh, more and more people have have cardiovascular issues uh, than than you can even comprehend for most of us. There will be around 590,000 uh, heart attacks that happen this year. Um, over half of them um, will be first-time heart attacks, and right about half of them, the very first sign or symptom of that heart attack will be that person having the heart attack dying. Um, it's a very sobering statistic, but it's very true. Um, most people do not survive their, well, half the people do not survive their very first heart attack. Um, and once you have one heart attack, you are at much higher risk of having a second, third, fourth, um, and eventually dying and succumbing to heart disease. Heart disease is a complicating factor for people that are dealing with um, diabetes. Um, a lot of people that have di- type 2 diabetes actually end up dying from heart disease. Um, it's listed as a cause of death for them with a comorbidity being diabetes. Um, so this is, a, this is a topic that is is very, it affects all of us. I mean, half of us are going to uh, die from heart disease. That's so look at look in the car if you're driving in the car look in the look around in the car if there's more than just you in there if you've got four people in there two of you are going down with heart disease um that's just the the raw statistics of it um it's a little sobering to hear i completely understand but it's important and i know for me heart disease is is one of the things that i started with um when i got into functional medicine i i decided when I started doing this type of work, what what population can I help the most, or what what things can I can I work to help people with that's going to bring me the most people? And I chose heart disease and and diabetes, and that's basically how my functional medicine clinic, how the Institute of Natural Health started. I started putting it out there that hey, if you've got heart disease or high blood pressure or you know narrowing of the arteries or have had a stroke or you have diabetes come see me we can we we need to talk there's things that can be done to help and yeah. so and that's that's how i've done it Go and ahead. as you quickly learn when you get into functional medicine that all of the parts of the body all the body's systems are so intimately connected so you wind up starting out with cardiovascular disease and diabetes and then you quickly realize hormones play a factor and you know diet definitely the immune system lymphatic flow 
your oral health. So, you know, flossing and brushing your teeth. And the, the strength of your pinky toenail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, yeah. I, you laugh, but it's actually yeah. true because yeah. that, those toenails, they're, they're telling yeah. us about peripheral uh, vascular yeah. flow and the, the peripheral artery health. It's, it's, you may laugh out there, but it's yeah. so true. Absolutely. And uh, one, one of the things we'll discuss later on in the show is um, we can actually measure some of these parameters with a very quick, simple, um, FDA-cleared, non-invasive uh, non-invasive device uh, done in the office that gives us a lot of great information on how healthy your uh, vascular system and your heart is. Yeah, so that that's something to look forward to for sure in today's episode. But I want to start by just talking about who has heart disease. And just kind of in generalities, um, a lot of people that come to see me, and Nick, I'll let you chime in here too. A lot of people that come to see me they or to the clinic and they just happen to, to get me or they've requested me for whatever reason, we, we start talking about their health history. We, we figure out what all information we need to gather. We get into our investigation mode and we identify, okay, we're going to do some blood work. And, and today I'm just going to talk about labs, you know, for the most part, we'll throw in some other stuff maybe in the, in later on in the show, but we get this, this information back. And a lot of, a lot of people come in and they're like, yeah, I know I have a low functioning thyroid. My stomach doesn't work right. Or I have digestive upset. And, you know, I've, I've been told I've, I've got, you know, high cholesterol, maybe they've been told that, or maybe they've been told they have high blood pressure, whatever. And invariably, cardiovascular disease is not the concern that they're, they're coming in for. We run the test and we get their lab work back and we actually figure out that the vast majority of their problems can actually be explained by the fact that they have raging cardiovascular disease going on and then i get the the pushback of well but my cholesterol is normal yep yep (laughs) yep that's true um but the thing is i I start talking then about what cardiovascular disease is and i I draw this on the board um to explain a lot of this and i'm going to try to talk through this and and sometimes you know pictures worth a thousand words and maybe we'll lose a little bit here with my explanation but i i tell people Cardiovascular disease is, the, the short term for that is heart disease, but very rarely is it actually ever the heart. And I remind people, look, the heart itself is just responding to things. It's not usually the problem. The heart becomes a problem when a blood vessel that supplies the heart with blood becomes blocked and then the heart dies. That's a heart attack, right? The heart, the tissue of the heart actually, the cells die. That's a heart attack. But the problem wasn't the heart, the problem was the blood vessels. So really, that's the issue. And when people have high levels of cholesterol, our body actually makes, our liver actually manufactures 80% of our body's cholesterol. And in some people, some people argue that it's more than that. I stick with 80% because it's pretty well research has shown it's about 80%. And so 80% of your cholesterol is actually made by your liver. So if you have high cholesterol, it's actually your liver that's the problem. It's not your heart. If If your arteries are clogged, it's a blood vessel problem, not a heart problem. 
if you have high blood pressure, blood pressure is actually regulated by thyroid hormone and of, of the glomerulus, which is a part of the kidney, in regulating, figuring out how much pressure you have, and then this whole hormone cascade of the renin and angiotensin aldosterone system that all gets converted into <laughs> yeah it's a bunch of medical jargon to say that the kidneys are actually regulating your blood pressure and so again we have a quote heart disease that's actually not a heart problem and we start looking at okay we're looking at liver blood vessels kidneys we're we've automatically said hey you know what this is a functional medicine problem this is not a heart issue this is a functional medicine problem and when we start addressing the things that cause liver dysfunction when we start addressing the things that are causing our kidneys to be an issue when we start addressing the things that cause our blood vessels to become inflamed and, and have problems with our blood vessels we're fixing the vast majority of, and we're addressing the vast majority of heart disease yeah absolutely and as we know from some very large scale studies that have been done, Framingham Heart Study and the Accord Studies. These studies looked at specifically cholesterol and what they found was that lo just lowering cholesterol did not have any significant um, effect on lowering the risk of cardiovascular disease. It wasn't until they addressed inflammation that they actually lowered the risk of cardiovascular disease. D did I not throw in there that those 587 or 800 and, uh, 857 to 887, depending on who you read, new or 500 and some thousand heart attacks that, that are going to happen this year, half of all the people that are going to have a heart attack this year, their cholesterol levels are normal? No, you did not mention that, but that is a very good point. I forgot to mention that point. That's a critical, <laughs> critical point. So we've got 600,000 heart attacks happening this year, and half of those people that have them are going to have normal cholesterol levels. Let that sink in for a second. These people, are ha they have normal cholesterol levels. So what is it that's causing this heart attack? Could it be the inflammation that Nick just mentioned and the blood vessel problems? and the the liver having an issue like wh what are we like are we addressing cardiovascular disease improperly in this country eh, some would say Maybe. yes some would say yes i'm i'm just i'm just don't shoot me i'm just the messenger i'm just yeah, telling you and, and i know you mention all the time I, I hear you mentioning it that um you know it's cholesterol a lot of people get this negative connotation with cholesterol but it's actually the body's main antioxidant that it makes right it is the premier in our body antioxidant system that we have think of it as like the way we put out a fire so if we have high levels of cholesterol that means that we're trying to fix something our body's inborn innate system is saying hey we're trying to fix something here and you know we're inflamed we need to try to put this fire out because the body can't heal when we have inflammation we talked about this on our episode i believe it was episode uh, 120 where we talk about uh, bioidentical hormone replacement we talk in there about how adequate levels of testosterone drive down inflammation we talk about it in there go back and listen to that episode 
here we're telling you that when when you have this inflammatory fire going on in your body, you are naturally going to increase production of cholesterol. So rather than just say, oh, your cholesterol is high, let's give you something to lower your level of cholesterol. Why don't we actually figure out what's inflaming the body, remove the source of the fire, and let the body's production of cholesterol normalize to where it should be on its own? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we know that, again, just addressing cholesterol isn't going to significantly reduce uh, cardiovascular disease risk. But you also come at a very dangerous risk when you lower cholesterol too much, right? I mean, your your neurotransmitters, your sex hormones, testosterone, all that's made from cholesterol. For sure. And when it's too low, it's a bigger problem. And I always tell people when their cholesterol is too low, I'm like, actually, low cholesterol is way worse than having high cholesterol. Because if your cholesterol is super high, it's really not that difficult to get it to come back down. It is a problem if we need to raise your cholesterol. Yep, That's much uh, harder. It's much, much harder to do. Um, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about heart disease and a functional approach to cardiovascular issues. You're listening to Wellness 101. listening to Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health. For more information, visit them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com or by phone 314-293-8123. Everybody else up on the sun looking sad and beautiful just like you. And welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, if you're just tuning in today, we are talking about heart disease and functional medicine approach to heart disease. Uh, we are also... Uh, Joined by Nick Bodie, a nurse practitioner at the at the Institute of Natural Health, um, in here talking about heart disease. And right before the break, we were talking about um, testosterone and how testosterone can decrease inflammation and decrease insulin resistance. And and I just wanted Nick to be able to finish off his thought regarding how having adequate levels of testosterone can help both of those and basically the vicious circle that goes with that. Yeah, absolutely. So we know that, um, you know, lower levels of testosterone actually can increase inflammation and insulin risk for insulin resistance, which both have a negative effect on risk factors for cardiovascular disease. Um, We also know that from a April 2010 study published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism that evaluated sex hormones, specifically, you know, like testosterone, estrogen, and the like, and cardiovascular disease risk. Um, And they concluded that low levels of androgen or testosterone levels actually increased the risk for cardiovascular disease in both men and women. So... I had made a mention earlier too about the whole, you know, insulin resistance and and how type two diabetics, which are insulin resistant, ha- die from heart disease. Well, this this fits that exact narrative. This is the exact same thing that we're talking about. Um, if, if this because it's a two way street, insulin resistance will cause you to have low testosterone. Low testosterone will have you to, cause you to have insulin resistance. This will also increase your inflammation. Mm-hmm. It will increase all of these problems that go with it. I mean, there's not a diabetic on the planet that has adequate levels of testosterone. 
period. Yeah. It or, just it can't happen. If their blood sugar is up, your testosterone is down. It has to be. Yeah, or low levels of inflammation. Or yeah. yes, or have low levels of in, there's not a diabetic that yeah. is that has low levels of inflammation. That's yeah. exactly right. And the same thing goes true um with with insert Women, you can insert polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, uterine fibroids. All of those have to do with these hormones being out of balance. Men, you can insert prostate issues. It just happens. And these things are all interconnected, and it's a big vicious circle. And this is why you've got to be looking at the body as a whole. We can't piece this thing out and talk about the body in independent silos. The thyroid does not operate independent of everything else. The heart does not operate independent of everything else. We are all interconnected. It's all going on in the same person. And this matters. And if you're not looking at it this way, you are doing yourself a disservice long term. You will be less healthy long term because your body can only do so much for so long and then it's going to give up. So I just just trying to point that out there as far as that goes. Then I want to shift gears just a second because we talked in the very first segment, Nick, you you mentioned the pulse analyzer and how cool this device is that we that we utilize at the clinic. Um, I want you to just Talk a little more about the pulse analyzer and what it measures and what it does. Yeah, so it's a very exciting device that we have in the in the office that we use to evaluate things like cardiovascular disease risk, and um, and we can measure how balanced the autonomic nervous system is. That's your stress response and things like that. But it's a very quick, you know, it takes three minutes, non-invasive, uh, simple office procedure, and you wear a little device on the tip of your index finger. And it measures with a light um, the blood flow through the blood vessels of the finger, the timing of the blood flow and the heartbeats. And from that, we can extract um, different variables like heart rate variability, um, which can tell us how healthy the heart is, how healthy the blood vessels are. So the greater the heart rate variability, and by that I mean, you know, a lot of people think that if you, you know, you measure your your heart rate and it's at 60 that it's beating you know one beat every second on on the second but it actually doesn't quite work like that it can be a fraction of a second milliseconds you know off either before a second or after a second and that's called variability and the more variability there is in heartbeats from heartbeat to heartbeat the healthier the heart is if you look at a sedentary person that's just sitting at rest uh, and we all know that sitting for long periods is not great for your health. Um, you know, so if someone's just sitting down, sitting at rest, the heart's just chugging along at the same beat, low variability. And, you know, you look at the opposite. If somebody's exercising, their heart rate's going from high to low to high to low. You know, it's all over the place. And that's great. We all know exercise is great for the heart. Um, so that's how you can kind of um, distinguish between uh, low heart rate variability and being poor health, high heart rate variability being great health. But um, we can also tell um, a little bit about how elastic or stretchy the blood vessels are, the arteries, you know, which um, can affect things from you know, blood pressure to perfusion of the, uh, other organs in your body, your brain, your liver, you know, kidneys, etc. So you want your blood vessels to be very pliable, very um, stretchy, right? You don't want a, a hard, you know, copper tubing in your system, right? You want a nice uh, flexible hose or, or tube. So we can tell how, uh, uh, you know, elastic your, your arteries are and things like that. 
Um, and another another thing that um, can it, the device can also measure is the um, your stress response. So your autonomic nervous system. That's your fight or flight, which is you know run from a bear. That's your sympathetic nervous system. And then you have your autonomic, or sorry, your peripheral nervous system, which is your rest and digest. We say, yeah. When 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 you're looking at the balance between your your sympathetic nervous system and your and your parasympathetic nervous system, like we we can tell. I mean, we are, you can tell if someone's stressed or they t- they're telling you they're stressed. Like okay, we run that after we know that you're stressed. We can pretty much predict that that you have that you're going to have a very high sympathetic nervous system on this on this test, and your and your parasympathetic is going to be low. Well, when we don't know, because we'd run this when when you come into the clinic as a new patient, you get this. This is a test that's done on everyone. Um, we look at this result before we come and talk to you. I already know if you're stressed or not. I don't even have to ask you. I already know. And it also is going to tell me if we're talking about lots and lots of physical stress or lots and lots of mental stress. And it also tells me how well you can handle that stress. Yeah. Are you? Or can you adapt to it? And that's a critical piece because if your ability to handle that stress is low, we know that you're on the verge of some major health crises going on because our body cannot operate in that constant fight or flight mode with our with our nervous system completely out of balance like that everything is being miscommunicated things will be made improperly we will be burning through nutrients way faster than we would be if we were able to handle that stress yeah and that's that's probably one of the more important markers from the autonomic nervous system um, analysis that we get is how well you can handle stress as we know you know um, CEOs and, you know, physicians, doctors, surgeons, it, they're under a ton of stress, Police right? officers. Police officers. Teachers. Yep. Thank you, teachers out there. I have a four-year-old, so I know how that goes. <laughs> 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 I could not do what you do, and we love you. Um, <laughs> keep up the good work. But, uh, yes, you're under a lot of stress. But if you can handle the stress well, then they won't negatively affect your health. Right. We're talking about a different ball game for yeah. those people. Yeah, it's just it's very interesting the the information that we can we can gather from from such a a short test and and such an easy thing to do right there in the office we can gather so much information before we lay eyes on a person before we talk to a person like it's it's pretty impressive um, and so that also you know helps us to know like okay we need to we need to really investigate what's causing if if someone's has poor stress resilience we need to investigate okay why is it that we were we're having such a hard time handling this stress what's mm-hmm. what's the driver what's causing this because it's ultimately it will impact your cardiovascular system for sure it will definitely cause problems and yeah. so it's just a it's just a great piece of uh, a great piece of equipment that that we you know, I love it. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's great. Yeah, um, and it, you know, stress goes hand in hand with cardiovascular disease, like you were saying, and we know this from uh, Formula One racers. There's some of the the top athletes in the world. Their their bodies are very physically primed. Um, their diets are very well controlled, but they will actually have uh, you know during and for several weeks after a a race very high levels of cholesterol in response to stress. It, stress can, you know, affect your cholesterol, your particle sizes, all kinds of stuff. Isn't that very interesting? 
And the same thing happens in in athletes, athletes yeah. that are in, in competition all the time. It's yeah. this is a, it's it's universal for athletes. It's I mean it's been measured in Formula One drivers, but they're that's just the population that they did the study on. Yeah. Pick pick an athlete. We could you could find anyone, and you're going to see similar things. And that's that's why athletes are very particular with with what physicians they utilize. They've got to have people that understand the stresses that go on with athletes mm-hmm. as opposed to your average ordinary people. Yeah. Right. I just, most people, most people can't handle the stressors that, that go, that these athletes undergo. Um, so that's, that's just one of those things that happens. So we're, we're going to have to take a break here in a, in a minute, but when we come back, I want to, I want to dive into some other cardiovascular health things. I want to talk, um, a little bit more about different treatments for cardiovascular disease. What can be done? Once you identify that we actually have things going on, what are things that that a person needs to look for or that they could potentially do in order to help various things like arterial stiffness or or you know high levels of cholesterol or you know high levels of inflammation what it can actually be done to help their bodies heal and repair and reverse or potentially reverse uh, the damage that's happened or the cardiovascular disease that they're dealing with so we'll talk about that when we come back after this break you're listening to wellness 101 You're listening to Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health. For more information, visit them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com or by phone 314-293-8123. And welcome to the show, everyone. If you're just tuning in today, we have been talking about heart disease, uh, and we have special guest Nick Bodie, uh, nurse practitioner, functional medicine certified um, practitioner at the Institute of Natural Health that's been in here talking about heart disease. And I want to shift gears a little bit from where we were talking about. I want to, I want to get into talking about um, different ways that we can go about treating this stuff. But before we get into the whole treating thing, I want to talk briefly. I say briefly. I don't know how brief <laughs> brief will be. Yeah. Um, briefly about um, testing. So, Testing really matters when we're talking about cardiovascular disease because we want to be testing not only our cholesterol levels, um, which which is kind of a misnomer. Um, total cholesterol, you guys can go get your get your labs and look at it. Total cholesterol is not how much cholesterol you have; it's how heavy your cholesterol is in a volume of fluid. Total cholesterol, the units of measure for total cholesterol are milligrams per deciliter. That has no bearing on how many cholesterol particles you have or what size they are. And that matters more than how much they weigh. Or how sticky they are. Yeah, or how sticky they are. Your total cholesterol, a total cholesterol of 200 just means that, that that's how heavy it is. You could have one particle that weighs 200 milligrams, or you could have 200 particles that each weigh one milligram. That's what we're talking about here. It's not telling you how many, it's just telling you how heavy. 
when we get into to lipoprotein fractionation or like the actual particle sizes, that's what matters. That's using you know, the unit of measure for that is nanomoles, which is how many of something is actually in there. Um, way more important piece of information than than your total cholesterol is in general. Yeah, and there's a reason too why on the advanced uh, cardiovascular panels that we run that inflammation levels are included and another marker in the blood called LPPLA2 activity, which tells us if you have leaky plaque, which is very bad plaque, you know, the next step in leaky plaque is putting down a fibrin clot. And then if that clot were to, to fall off somehow, um, you know, it can cause a stroke or a heart attack. That, that that is correct, and we're looking at things like lipoprotein little a, which is ten times stickier than than LDL uh, cholesterol, and this stuff is stuck to LDL cholesterol. So, it's the knowing what that is. We're looking at our omega three levels to find out what's going on there, and we're also we even look at some genetic markers, things like uh, apolipoprotein E, apoE, yeah. which that profile tells us you know, how well your body can handle fat. So your, your levels of omegas may be, omega-3s may be really low, but your APOE profile says that you, you, you shouldn't actually consume lots of fats because your body can't really process that and you're at increased risk of cardiovascular disease due to it. So Yeah, and this is where, you know, testing is so important before you start any kind of treatment because, as you mentioned, you know, you could be, reading an article on how great omega-3s are for you, and then you you go to Costco and buy a, a Costco-sized bottle of omega-3s and start taking them, but you're actually doing more harm for your body than good. Mainly um, because the Costco that Costco stuff is probably <laughs> rancid. It's probably, probably junk anyway. But, uh, um, but that, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> We're just talking about consuming the animal fat. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, there, there are many other uh, tests as well, too, that are equally as important, um, even as far down as genetic testing um, at the genetic level and uh, checking things like uh, catechol-O-methyltransferase or COMT, finding out if you have any SNPs in that, or um, some of you might be familiar with the MTHFR, the mother gene um, can increase your risk for cardiovascular disease and uh, many other things as well, too. But um, there are very specific treatment options for that and also um, very important things to avoid in supplements and food um, as well. Right. So, again, having somebody that knows what in the world they're talking about when it comes to this matters, right? So... If we if we talk about some of the the treatment options and things that we can that we can do, um, we can talk briefly about some some oral supplements. We'll we'll spare you the 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 conversation about omegas. They're they're generally um, well accepted that they're they're beneficial for. Yeah. Um, cardiovascular health, yeah. but again, like Nick was saying, there are some things in, in advanced testing that could identify that they're not actually the best thing for you. So you got to figure that out for yourself. Um, but some other things that are are out there are things like vitamin C, vitamin E, um, vitamin D three K two. Um, th- those are those are three three of the ones that I like to use a lot. Um, what do you, do you have some others to add there, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I, I'm a huge fan also of optimizing vitamin D3 and K2. We just don't get enough K2 in our standard American diet. Um, 
you know, other countries that can that eat, you know, natto and miso and, and things like that, those contain vitamin K2. But we just, I mean, when's the last time you had, you had natto? Um, I don't know, but I can tell you the last time I had K2 was this morning when <laughs> yeah. I took my D3K2 <laughs> yeah. capsule. Yeah, so yeah, it's very important. <laughs> yeah, most of the time you just want to supplement with it. Um, but also, you know, you can eat those healthy things too, um, but supplementation can be very helpful. So, so vitamin K2, for those of you who may not be aware, what vitamin K2 does, it works in conjunction with, with vitamin D, but vitamin K2 tells the body where to put calcium. In the absence of vitamin K2, we will actually put calcium freely into our arteries, leading to atherosclerosis. With, uh, with adequate levels of vitamin K2 in the body, we will actually tell our body to put calcium into bone, which is where calcium is supposed to go. So this is vitamin K is, is extremely important for arterial health, but it's also important for bone health because it's what triggers and tells the body where to put the calcium. Yep. It just flat out says, hey, this is where it goes. And this is why a lot of other cultures, Asian cultures, Eastern cultures, enjoy much lower risks of cardiovascular disease because they're incorporating that naturally into their diet. Correct. That is correct. <laughs> um, so that's that's a huge one. Um, vitamin E yeah. comes in, uh, you know, most people think of vitamin E, what they're looking at is uh, vitamin D-alpha tocopherol, which is a very specific form of vitamin E. But vitamin E actually has eight components to it. It has four tocopherols and four tocotrienols. Um, I'll spare you the boring lecture on what those what those things all are. Just know that if you're taking a vitamin E supplement, you need to be taking a a vitamin E that that has all eight pieces in that puzzle um, because vitamin E is our fat soluble antioxidant, extremely important for for you know, helping to keep inflammation down. Um, then we have vitamin C. Um, it is vitamin. Uh, Cardiovascular disease has been described by some as arterial scurvy, meaning our blood vessels don't get enough vitamin C. Um, we as humans don't get enough vitamin C. Research has shown that we actually, this 100 milligram RDA is, is likely way too low. Some mm -hmm. research actually suggests that we need about 25 milligra 2,500 milligrams every single day of our life. Um, and if you don't know, that's the equivalent of about 25 oranges. And for most people, when was the last time you ate an orange, let alone 25 <laughs> oranges a day for your whole life? Um, most people, we don't get that in our diet. Um, we just don't get adequate levels of vitamin C. And if we have plenty of vitamin C, that helps us um, because we have this stuff inside of our blood vessels called the, the, the um, glycocalyx. And the glycocalyx, you may have, this may be the very first time you're ever hearing that, but you are going to be hearing more and more of that um, in the future. The glycocalyx is this slick, slippery substance that lines the inside of our blood vessels. And the health of the glycocalyx is actually determines the health of our cardiovascular system. Um, and you know, really, for, for a lot of vascular damage to happen, the, the glycocalyx has to be gone. And there are some of these nutrients that we're talking about really help to supply the glycocalyx and help the, our blood vessels remain slick and healthy like they're supposed to be. Um, a guy that actually found the glycocalyx won, won a Nobel Prize for, for finding it. Um, so it's pretty important um, that, we, that we have that. 
Um, I know one of the things that Nick likes as well is, is green tea. Um, yeah. He likes green tea so much that we actually keep it in our office for anybody that's <laughs> visiting. They can brew themselves a cup of green tea. Absolutely. Um, there, there are lots of health benefits to green tea. Yeah, there, there have been studies that show, um, you know, there was one study in particular that took uh, 10,000 men, 10,000 women and broke them up into how much green tea they drank every day. And what they found was the more green tea that they drank um, reduced you know, at the three to five cup range uh, per day, reduce their all-cause mortality, which means death from anything, by about 30%. And it reduced their cardiovascular disease risk factors by about 27%. And that's something, you know, super simple, easy. Um, and green tea also has a ton of other health benefits, not just for cardiovascular, but for hormones and detox and, and the like. And so. the fact that if you're drinking three to five cups of green tea... That is, um, you know, uh, 24 to, you know, whatever ounces extra of water that you're consuming that uh, most of us are dehydrated and we could use that added water. Yeah. Um, last but not least is bergamot. Did we talk about bergamot? Did I just mention it or did you mention it? Did we talk about bergamot? Maybe over the break we mentioned it, yeah. Bergamot um, is a really cool little thing. Um, it's a little citrus fruit. Um, found in Earl Grey tea. Found in Earl Grey tea, yes. Mm. Um it's it's some really cool stuff. It has lots of benefits. Um, some of those benefits would include helping the body make cholesterol particles the proper size because that's really important. The other thing that it does is it um, helps with arterial stiffness and elasticity. It helps our vessels become more elastic. So very beneficial there. So those are some of our the supplements yeah. that we like um, yeah. as far as you know things for cardiovascular issues. And you mentioned berberine earlier too oh, as yeah, well, and that's one of my favorite as well. And the pharmaceutical companies just recently came out with the PSK9 inhibitors, which was actually derived from a compound in berberine, which has been around for you know huh. hundreds of hundreds of years. Um, and berberine works in three major ways. Um, it helps the liver create more LDL receptor sites, effectively balancing the amount of cholesterol and LDLs, uh, particles and, and everything in your blood. Um, and it also works on insulin resistance and, and blood sugar regulation, which we mentioned earlier, increases risks for cardiovascular disease. And then a third way it works is uh, by balancing the gut microbiome, which we won't get into on this episode, but maybe an idea for a future episode. So... We've got to take another break. When we come back, we are going to continue talking about different things that can be done to help with cardiovascular disease. Um, we're actually even going to get into some IV nutrition um, things that, that have been beneficial that we use in our clinic. You're listening to Wellness 101. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We uh, have been talking today about cardiovascular disease. Um, yes, Erin is still here. Um, I'm here. She's, Nothing she's to there. contribute. You guys have it covered. <laughs> we, we, Nick and I have got it covered, apparently. She keeps us in line. Yeah, she is. Um, she's, she's giving us lots of thoughts and ideas over break, and then she's like, you guys talk about, just talk about that. Um, so it's good things, but the last segment we were talking about um, oral supplements that can help with cardiovascular disease, some of the things that we like to utilize, um, 
you know, just specific for cardiovascular disease. In this last segment, we don't have a lot of time, um, but I do want to talk briefly about the benefits of IV nutrition. Um, We do quite a bit of IV nutrition in our clinic. Um, We help a lot of people with it. Um, And I just kind of want to, I want to, Nick, I want to let you just kind of talk about benefits of IV vitamin C, why, why we use it um, and, and how well it works. Yeah. So I I know I hear you mention all the time to your patients and, and on the radio that we can't trust the gut of a sick person, right? So we can't, that's correct. We can't trust that um, somebody that is coming to our clinic that is, you know, very ill, has a lot of gastrointestinal issues, a lot of GI issues to absorb the vitamins in in their food, but also supplements um, orally. So um, that brings us to IV nutrition, which we bypass the gut, and we're also able to administer much higher doses than we would be able to um, orally um, through IV. And you also get the side benefit of of hydration, which you touched on earlier. The, the, the hydration benefits are huge. Like, we... We, we can check people for their levels of hydration. We, ha- we have a very specific body composition uh, an analysis device that we use in our office. And I don't think we've had a single, I don't remember specifically, a single patient who didn't show up as chronically dehydrated. Yeah. We, it's just pervasive in this country that we are just dehydrated. We don't get enough fluid. And the IV nutrition just adds an extra layer of hydration and fluid to our system. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, just getting a 500 cc bag, you know, just not a whole lot um, is the equivalent of drinking about a gallon of water a day. So it, um, you know, can be very effective. Um, You know, if you just take the water the you know, I say water, but it's actually saline mixture. But um, just that aspect alone, you know, set the vitamins aside and that can be beneficial just on its own. But you add in the vitamins and vitamin C and the B vitamins um, can help with uh, cholesterol particle sizes, inflammation, detox, you know, many different things. The, the inflammation component is huge. We, we are, as a society, we are chronically inflamed. Very rarely do we find someone who doesn't have levels of inflammation going on somewhere in their body. And when we can administer something that can help to, to eliminate that inflammation at a fairly rapid rate, that's when the body can heal. We cannot heal when we're inflamed. I, I, I use house examples with people all the time. And one of them I use is for inflammation. And I'm like, imagine your body is a house. And if you're inflamed, your house is on fire. Do you... you you don't do anything with that house that's on fire until you first put the fire out. You don't go in and, and repaint the walls while the house is on fire. You don't go in and replace anything while the house is on fire. You actually have to put the fire out, then you have to clean up the mess, then once the mess is cleaned up, then you start rebuilding the house. That's the order that it has to happen. The, the order is the same in the human body. If you're coming to us and you have issues, cardiovascular issues, we, we already touched on the fact that you're inflamed. So we've got to figure out where the inflammation is, and we got to put that fire out first. Yeah. And we utilize IV nutrition to do that at a fairly rapid rate. Yeah, and for all of, all of you out there who are wanting to lose weight and, and optimize weight, which, you know, if, if you are overweight, um, you know, can most likely increase your risk for cardiovascular issues. That's but, right. Um, but being overweight can actually, 
you know, have higher levels of inflammation and that inflammation can make it harder to lose weight. It actually creates what's called angry fat and um, Ooh, yeah, angry, angry fat. fat. <laughs> um, and I know that's a you know harsh term there, but uh, it's true. It makes, you know, inflammation makes the weight harder to lose. So if you're looking for a step in the right direction on where to go for weight loss, it might be addressing inflammation in the body. That, that is a, that is a very valuable point. And, and like you said, a lot of people who are overweight are dealing with some sort of cardiovascular issue, whether they actually know it or not. We touched on this earlier. A lot of people come to us, at least to me specifically, and they don't even realize that they have cardiovascular issues because they're young enough that they haven't, they haven't been tested or B their doctors told them, Oh no, everything's just fine. When in reality it's not because they didn't look at the right things. Yeah. And you can't feel high cholesterol. You can't feel sticky cholesterol. Like you can feel a wound or you can't (laughs) feel high blood pressure either. Yeah. Not always. I mean, unless it's really high, you know, headache and stuff, but, but a lot um, of people can't, they have no idea when their body's making too much cholesterol. Yeah, absolutely. You just don't know. Like, Or too little cholesterol, even yeah. worse. We t- we touched on that. Yeah, or we do find, you know, chronic low-grade levels of inflammation, which, you know, you may not feel in the body. It may not show up as a joint ache or pain or, you know, things like that. And I, I commonly get people, you know, we check their inflammation levels and they're, they're moderately elevated, which correlates with cardiovascular inflammation specifically. And you can't always feel that. Right, right. Because your blood, when your blood vessels are inflamed... You don't, you don't, you just don't know. Yeah. It, it'd be kind of like having a small fire in your house that you didn't know was there. Yeah. Um, it's better off to know that it's there so you can address it. Yeah. Right. You, you want to know what's going on or it's like termites. You know, you don't know that you have termites in your house until someone comes out and investigates. Oh my gosh, you have termites. Yeah. Or the then, whole house collapses. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you're right walking under, and the whole house collapses. That's the, 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 there you, that's yeah. your first symptom of yeah. a heart attack. Don't yeah. wait till your house falls in on <laughs> you people. <laughs> that's exactly right. So we, we make light of it, but we make light of it because, you know, the, the system has just not been proactive in people's cardiovascular health. It's let's wait until there's a problem and then let's throw a medication at it and, you know, let that Band-Aid, you know, create side effects and not really truly get to the underlying underlying health issues we're sitting here saying look we have very specific formulas that iv formulas that can be employed to help you increase arterial wall stiffness or uh flexibility decrease that stiffness you know help your body if you're laying down plaque to stop that process and and let your body reverse that process these things can be done and lower blood pressure you know, naturally yeah. as well too. Lower, lower blood pressure, get that inflammation out of the system. When you start taking away the things that trigger the problem, that's, that's how we fix it. So anyway, that's about all the time we have for the show. If you want more information, please visit our website, inhstl.com. Um, shoot us an email info at inhstl call us uh, 314-293-8123 we're happy to answer any questions we love hearing for you Um, for aaron and for nick i'm dr tj thanks for listening